Welcome to the SJ Child Show, where a little bit of knowledge can turn fear into understanding. Enjoy the show. Hi, and thanks for joining the SJ Child Show. Today, I have a guest, Mara McLaughlin. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, I'm excited to chat with you today. I ran across her channel on Instagram, and uh, I really just love the message and services that she has on there and is talking about. So I want to learn more about it and get to know her. And my favorite way to do that is on my podcast and just share this experience with my viewers and listeners. So thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. It's a pleasure. Yeah, I really am excited to get to know more about how you got into this industry and and what kind of your passion is and what drives you to um, help provide these wonderful services. So uh, let's start just with an introduction and tell us kind of why you're here today. Sure. Yeah. So my business is IRL Social Skills, stands for In Real Life. And I started this business in March of 2021. I had worked in the schools for about 12 years and my specialty was non-speaking autistics, um, getting them into, you know, be able to communicate. I'm a speech language pathologist um, by, um, you know, my professional background. And while that was my specific area of expertise, I also noticed that the autistic students who could speak, who maybe were even academically gifted, were still having a lot of struggles socially. And just with a little bit of help, a little bit more help than is you know typically afforded in the IEP, they could totally take off. So I was um, getting my like autism certificate and I found out about UCLA's um, peers program. It's the program for the education and enrichment of relational skills. And this was noted to be the only evidence-based manualized curriculum available for teens and young adults. Mm -hmm. Um, This was by the University of North Carolina's National Clearinghouse for Autism Standards and Practices. So I was really intrigued because I was like, oh, you know, you want to do something that works because we know that, you know, single trial learners, concrete thinkers, you know, they're, oh, I do this with this person in this room. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of like, oh, guess what? You know, these skills, you know, you can do these skills outside of the speech room. And the problem with social skills instruction as it happens in the schools is number one, they're not using an evidence-based curriculum. Number two, the dosage is way too low. You know, 90 minutes a month at the middle school doesn't cut it, not nearly enough. And number three, there's no parent training component. Mm -hmm. So like parents want to help their kids, right? And, but they don't know how. And even the most socially savvy among us doesn't necessarily know mm-hmm. how to teach social skills. They are not soft skills. They are hard skills. Yeah. They're I love skills. that you said that. I mean, and that's what got me into advocating. That's where, you know, I stepped into my space was advocating for my son and knowing mm-hmm. that I needed to, um, it was quite about like 13 years ago, I guess. Well, no, I guess he's already 13. So it was in going into first grade, <laughs> whatever that may be, seven years ago that uh-huh. they said, 
sorry, you know, be, based on the his he's twice exceptional, but he also has global developmental delay, right. and that makes it, you know, <laughs> both sides. And so the school just said, sorry, we can't help your first grader do algebra, and we can't help him with his skills either behaviorally. So you know, we don't have a place for him. And so I ended up bringing him home and homeschooling, and um, he did really well two grades a year for the beginning um cycles and things so we uh-huh. definitely and then when he was eight we had him reevaluated um at a neuropsych and he said well he's at a 10th grade level right now at eight years old um math and you know it but still at that third grade level and below for the social global mm-hmm. skills needed so there's just not a good program for that here. I'm in Salt Lake City. Where are you at anyways? I, I was going to ask you that. You're in California or on the West Coast somewhere. Yeah, West Coast, Portland, Oregon. Okay. Um, yeah. I love Portland. I was there for about 10 years. So we'll talk about oh. that another time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, that's. But it is so important that when you become um, an advocate of space for people to understand that you are dealing with such a wide variety of diversity, cultures, Mm -hmm. uh, knowledge across the board that these both parents and educators have, and really finding kind of that middle ground where you can come in and speak to them at at the level they're at. And even if you get one out of 10 people that get your message and understand, hopefully that can make a difference in the lives of many children (laughs) from then on out. Yeah. And the lives of, you know, actually families, because, yeah, you know, the way that we serve, you know, because we know that, you know, you have, you have a child who is exceptional, has exceptional needs, you know, they're different. Yeah. And, you know, our culture as a whole, you know, hates difference. Isn't that uh, the truth? Thank you for saying that. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone's ever just said that, like bluntly just said it. It's, and that is so the truth, isn't it? And that is why we're fighting against this and saying, well, that's just ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You know, like, yeah, we hate your hate. <laughs> we love your hate. Yeah. I don't know what to say. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, it's it's so true that it's just, it's butting up against the biggest head ever, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. That's a good point. It's, um, you know, and we know that it impacts the whole family. Mm-hmm. And so the way that we serve, we serve, you know, it really is the whole family. We serve the teen or young adult and their parent or caregiver who is in the role of socially social coach. It's usually the parents because they make the best social coaches. Yeah. And yeah. And we teach entirely via Zoom. It's a class. Um, it's 16 weeks. That's our, um, our like flagship offering is 16 weeks. And, you know, that's four months. That's yeah. like a semester. That is a long time. And we get intimate, you know, like we, the, it's really beautiful, just gorgeous to see the teens and young adults, like in a safe space where they're, they can be seen and heard by peers who are also motivated to learn how to navigate this confusing social world. And the parents also benefit because they receive the same instruction, although in separate Zoom rooms. And the parents, you know, parents need all the help they can get, right? 
And when they are, you know, put into a space where they're like, you know, where other people understand what they're going through, it that is healing. Oh, it's the best. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the the community that I found and that I've been building and you know, just that you create along your journey is life-saving. It is just like your heart opens up and you're able to be vulnerable. You're able to be raw and understanding about things because there's moments where it is isolating and it is like on an Island, you know, especially if, um, other family members, you know, don't quite have the same understanding. And one great quote that, you know, we love to say is a little bit of knowledge turns fear into understanding. Yes. And that works for both children and parents uh-huh. in so many ways. Like that, just that showing them, yes, this is what Down syndrome is at a chromosome level. And this is why through biology, these changes have happened. And we can be so accepting now that we know that it's like this science-based evidence, you know, and such. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really powerful to give kids those that knowledge to mm-hmm. let them make the choice. Well, it's not they and someone said this to me yesterday you know i didn't choose to be born i didn't choose to be born with autism i didn't choose to be born with blindness i didn't choose to be you know all of these things it just is and yeah. so why can't you accept it as a community like i didn't make the choice to be this way so giving me your opinion or your judgment i don't it doesn't make sense and i was just like oh my gosh that's so powerful Wow, absolutely. You know, and when somebody, you know, is judgmental, prejudiced, you know, trying to tell someone else who and what they are, you know, be careful because that's, that is taking someone else's self-determination away, Mm. you know, to determine like who they are for themselves. I mean, it's the ultimate question, right? Who am I? Disempowering doesn't do that. Yeah. No. And and then you might also get that, that privilege revoked of your own self-determination. I like that you said that. Isn't that the truth, huh? Because it works in such a harmonious way, that way that unfortunately we, we do um, have our karmic, (laughs) you know, well in your own beliefs, but you know, Mm -hmm. what we do does come back to us. And so why wouldn't we as adults, as parents, as examples to these children, like be the best we can be and show up, um, make connections, realize that connection over attention is something that people, uh, you know, for so many, oh, he just wants attention, attention, this attention, that it's these connections that we need to build and trust with these kids and teens. And, and, but that space that you said, like when you can watch that growth that happens from having the safe space, making those connections, having that trust. Um, it's life-changing for them. It is empowering and self, you know, affirming, um, amazing for kids to see what they can do. Yeah. It is. It's so true. And, you know, there's something in the research, you know, that is called social validity, you know, how, like really, how do we know what we're doing is actually working? You know, mm. like we can't just say that it is, you know, the, there has to be data that, 
determines that this is working outside of the treatment paradigm. Mm. And we have that evidence like in spades. And that is what makes this program so rewarding to teach because it actually gets results mm. because, you know, we, we are humans and humans are social. You know, I don't care if you're an introvert, extrovert, mm-hmm. like whatever, we need each other. We're no good alone. <laughs> and, and to have, these are the most functional skills a person can learn. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you need math, use a calculator, you know, but if you want to learn how to like initiate, cultivate and maintain relationships, which is really the stuff of life, mm-hmm. you know, the only untaught thing, right? And yeah, until you, well, and others, but yeah, exactly. Not something that is like needs to be in a real indoctrination of life skills and social skills and relationship building. Like let's, yeah, move away from the, the skills that we can use on devices. Maybe now, like you said, calculators and, and really teach these like conflict resolution and, Mm -hmm learning how to have enough self-value and self-identity to, you know, try to maintain in those fragile years of teen, preteen and, and young adulthood that you're just trying to still build your brain is still forming your neuro typically, or excuse me, neuro developing um, at, it doesn't matter if you are neurodiverse or not, you're still, your brain is still developing, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and until you're an yeah. adult and yeah. um, we need to just really, I think that it's great to give kids or teens the knowledge of what their brain is doing at the time of their development. Cause they really are curious about those types of things. And that really helps them to connect to themselves mm-hmm. and to have empathy for others um, when you show them like, for example, don't use alcohol because this will happen, you know, but your brain is in these kind of developments. And if you do that, do you want to lose the ability to, you know, this, this, or this, whatever is developing in your brain at the moment. So, um, and it's just parents don't know how to get the information, Right. Give the information. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, so it's so impactful that you have that type of, of product and service for not only just the, the teen going through, but the parent to guide them through. Yeah. And so the learning continues long after the class is over. I like what you said, just, you know, like that really, you know, I felt that what you said about, you know, um, them knowing about themselves and their brain and their nervous system, which really should just be called the relationship system since it is totally formed and formatted by relationship. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that's what we teach. You know, the first 15 minutes of our class are focused on nervous system education, mindfulness skills, and interoception for Mm -hmm. self-regulation and co-regulation. How do feelings feel in the body? And what do those feelings mean? And parents notice, they're like, oh, I noticed that when I am regulated, my child is regulated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because our nervous systems are connected. And then, um, and yes. so that is what we call, you know, intrapersonal skills. Mm-hmm. It's not just the interpersonal skills, it's intrapersonal skills. And that is not from UCLA. That is my own addition to the curriculum because it is called for. It's kind of like a precedent. Yeah. 
you know, to like, you know, just knowing who you are, how you work, yeah, how your body works. It's amazing. I mean, the, the curiosity of when I started learning about autism in 2010 and mm-hmm. really diving into as much knowledge as I could find at the time. And I was um, a medical paralegal, so I knew how to do research. I was right. in there, you know, doing it. And I could, I understand the biology of it. So that was easy for me to, to see. And, and I was so curious, so much curiosity and like what's happening biologically on these levels. What makes it, why is it a difference? Why is, you know, all of the, the questions that we have as parents. And it was so fantastic to be able to dive right in there and not only understand kind of what was happening for my son biologically, but then be able to set up steps for success after that. Okay, well, if these proteins are causing inflammation, let's remove Mm -hmm. them. If Mm -hmm. these, uh, you know, and it was just kind of by chance that I had read about, you know, diet changes and, and I'm not a medical doctor, don't have any, you know, I'm not giving advice or, or anything, but my own personal experience with, with our son is that we realized right away that in reading about the gluten case and reduction, it, when we saw the changes with our own eyes, that was the evidence we needed, you know, mm-hmm. to say, wow, these things really were making a difference. This, the neuropaths were being blocked by the inflammation. The stimming was being affected by the gluten and the inflammation and it, you know, here's this child who spun circles all day long. We padded his room with cushions because he would just spin into things. Um, and you know, he was nonverbal. It was so disheartening to not know how to help. And so as soon as you see changes, you're just like, thank heavens. (laughs) Right. And we, and we stay on that path with our children and to try to do the best that we can with them. And I totally lost track of where I was going with all of that. So I apologize, but, um, it's, yeah, it's, um, it's great to, you're talking about research and, you know, you started researching, you know, and you learned a lot in 2010 and since (sighs) the research has really, um, exploded. exploded. Yes. Especially by actually autistic researchers. Now I know. Thank you very much. Now I know exactly where I was going with that is that in, in that, you know, my husband at that same, uh, eight, eight year neuropsych appointment that my son had, I realized in that moment that here's my undiagnosed husband who now I can say, Hey, guess what? And you know, that information was so powerful and so empowering for him to put a finger on it, to put a definition, to put a, however you want to say, you know, gave him those the boundaries that he understood for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our daughter, um, I saw, knew that possibly she was dyslexic. So I really was pressing teachers to test her, but she was so emotionally intelligent that they mm-hmm. refused. And so finally, when she came home, I used that the same home, the online school that my son had attended for all of those years. And they just, you know, were like, you need this. Yes, we're on it. You need this. We're on it. She has an IEP. She's getting tutoring. She's, you know, has this. So then the psychologist came and yep, dyslexia, autism, ADHD. We were like, oh, wait, what did, how did I, how did I miss this first seven years of now I can see autism from a whole new perspective and how it's showing up in my 
my daughter and how it's so differently presented in my son and my husband. And Mm -hmm. then I was like, well, wait, if I understand all of this so well, what about myself? And so I went and had a brain scan done and got my own findings that I was also on the spectrum, um, ADHD and anxiety and all of the, most of the things that I knew, but that was something. Yes. And so it was so, um, like beautiful really for our family circle to like, wow, we all fit together. So this makes so much sense as to how we can accommodate each other so gracefully and Mm -hmm. with patience and understanding as much as we can. I mean, 11 and 13, they're siblings. They're going to give each other as much patience as they can with that age. But at the same time, it's, um, it's beautiful to watch the growth that we've had as parents to be able to say, okay, now we see our daughter. We, we shouldn't engage in those moments where she thinks that she's in control, but we know now that she really isn't Mm -hmm. and really turned our, our eyes and our minds to be, okay, we have to back up. We have to stop, you know, kind of give, give her a little bit more of an understanding of what she might be going through Mm -hmm. rather than viewing her as a typical child who, as we know, you know, are you throwing a tantrum? Are you doing this? And then to, to realize that, okay, wow, that was, (laughs) we were viewing that wrong all along, but, um, but it's given us the, the ability to change what the future looks like and Mm -hmm. what our community or excuse me, communication with them and our relationship and connection with them looks like, which is helping us build our community too, I guess. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Many times, you know, many times in our classes, parents start to realize like, Oh, wow. You know, like, their own neurodivergence. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And yeah, I mean, the apple doesn't fall far. No, when you start to realize that, exactly. And I'm looking back at my parents and my grandparents and and now when I'm out in the the world, I mean, both my daughter and I, my son, not so much just because he's still not cognitively functionable to have these kind of conversations yet. But Mm -hmm. her and I can be out in the world and just be like, Oh, that boy's autistic. Like we can see now the the nuances and everything. And I think it's just like, it, it warms my heart really. Mm-hmm. And not to see them struggling out in the world, of course, you know, right. but just to, to be like, Hey, I, I see you. I get you. Like, I, I, and I think that is so important for us to be seen. Like you said, we're social creatures. We mm-hmm. want to be connected with, we want to be seen and understood and, and just given respect for being human and dignity, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you said, you know, it warms my heart, you know, because that's a, that's a somatic reference, you know, I mean, that's, that's your body's wisdom, you know, and we have, you know, we're, we tend to be so, you know, stuck in our heads. And so that is, you know, something that we also teach for the young adults classes Mm -hmm. is somatic experiencing somatic psychology just like, okay, you know, slow down. Where do you feel that? You know, you know, like checking with your throat, your heart, your stomach, your skin. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of information and there's a communication. Yeah. It's happening between your mind and your body. 
you know, and you have to be able to like drop in and listen to that. And sometimes, you know, in autism, you might know about alexithymia, which is a a struggle. Alexithymia is um, a struggle to discern what physical sensations are and what they mean. And it could be, you know, something like, you know, having to go to the bathroom, you know, to all the way to like, what do emotions feel like? We don't spend a whole lot of time on like labeling emotions, but we do um, help people build awareness and capacity for what is happening in their bodies. You know, like we're, our supplemental text is the body keeps the score. Mm. By Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that's mind, mind, body, and the healing of trauma. Because we know that, you know, I mean, yeah, trauma happens, like life is traumatic. And there's, and, you know, to be peer rejected, socially isolated, shunned, excluded, canceled, mm. to use the parlance of the day, you know, that is like, oh, well, it's not bullying. It is bullying. It's indirect bullying, you know, and it is life threatening. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so, we, so we know sad. about suicide. We know yeah. about that, you know, the like serious impact that happens socially mm-hmm. on a person. Yeah. And, you know, and we, part of our classes is like the bullying, the bullying is gold. Like the, how to handle bullying is gold because like we shore up their confidence and, you know, the old, you know, prescribed of, you know, ignore it, walk away, tell an adult that doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. You have to have some, you know, a snappy comeback mm-hmm. and bystander support. Yeah. Because yeah. you've cultivated relationships and wow. people are going to be like, Hey, you know, don't do that. Even cyberbullying, mm-hmm. you know, learning how to handle that and to be like, you know what you, you turn away from the people who do not see you, who do not get you, who do not want to. And you turn towards the people who do see you, who do get you, you know, and they're likely to share a neurotype. Yeah. And that is so true, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. We find our tribes, whether we kind Mm -hmm. of want to or not, (laughs) our vibe, find our tribe, right? And it, I love what you said. My, it's so funny. This, this conversation, I swear, I, I was going to tell you this afterwards, but I literally am having deja vu moment after mm. moment after moment. So it's very interesting to me. But oh. you said something my husband just said to me like yesterday was oh. the, where are you feeling like the motions in your body? And he was taught that as a teen as well and how to um, cope with, with his emotions that they didn't, of course, like I said, he was undiagnosed. So um, he had an ADHD diagnosis and a dyslexia diagnosis. And Mm. he was just not really given the fairest of uh, situations. And Mm -hmm. so there was a lot of anger that came with that. And so that was the one thing that he started to, well, really gained, I guess, the knowledge from those learnings was where to find that emotion in his body and how to tap into settling it down and calming it down. And I mean, he is so wise. I just uh, give him so much credit for being so wise and teaching me over the last 20 years, how to really just be comfortable being myself and, and knowing that, you know, the powers and things that I can provide for the world, but really um, also harnessing it and showing our children, like you said, how to do that. When my daughter was young, 
I thought to myself, like, I'm going to tell her, you know, when grandma's asked like, oh, who do you love the most? You love grandma the most, blah, 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 things like that, little things. I told her right off the bat, if anyone ever asks you that, you say me. I love myself the most. I'm first. I'm number one. And she is 11. She is a little sassy, you know, in that she has this fire, this like inside knowing that she's number one, that she's on top of things. And then she really, and I mean, it it can become conflicting, especially for other kids that are probably intimidated and don't know how to react to her being that way. And so, you know, they, they, I see her and adults see her so Mm -hmm. differently than the kid, the peers and the kids around her seeing, and that's the emotional intelligence that she has. And right. Sorry. <laughs> right. Sorry. Not sorry. Not sorry. It, 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 yeah. Someday you'll, you'll be so glad that you have, and she'll be so glad that she has that inner sense of I'm first and I come first. And so, um, and I, you know, some people said, Oh, well, that's so selfish. Like, why would you do that? Didn't make your child so selfish. But to me, mm-hmm. why wouldn't I, like, I wish I had had that. I wish I had never questioned my value and questioned myself and, um, and had to be retaught and unlearned and all of the, you know, the things that I've gone through, I'm giving her a head start. I'm telling her, Hey, bypass this route that I went and take this path. (laughs) It's really self going to be self-fulfilling for you in your own love for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. That's like a radical self-love and and yeah and that and that does spread out you know people like people will feel that mm-hmm. people will feel it and you know yeah it will intimidate some people but you know those aren't the ones that you want for your friends anyways you exactly. know you want yes. to be with the other ones who are strong and powerful and yes. who love themselves there is no no excuse whatsoever in this world to not radically love yourself yeah Exactly. And it's given to uh, us by ideas from someone else, Mm -hmm. which, you know, we kind of love to, my husband and I remind each other, never do something or make choices based on other people's choices. You remain yourself, true to yourself. You know, if others are speeding down the highway and you want to go 55 and not speed, do it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't like you. And he always is reminding me like, look, stop worrying about other people's windshields and how they're viewing you or anything like just worry about yourself and your own thing, which is good. A good reminder for me because I get over compassionate and then I mm-hmm. tend to care too much about other yeah. situations. Um, but the price of being a kind person, I guess, but um, I think <laughs> that it, it's, it's valuable and it has its drawbacks. Isn't that the truth? Because I really like, you have to learn to self-care and and it's yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you teach self-care and filling, you know, yourself up and making sure you are a hundred percent before giving it all out. Yeah, well, you know, so we teach, we do teach specifically and explicitly about autism and what exactly it is. And we talk about neurodivergence and we talk about the like the Venn diagram of yeah. autism, ADHD, anxiety. Um, and, and other neurodivergence and, and, you know, it's, it's difference, it's difference and it's diversity and we need diversity. Like, you know, if you want, you know, you don't want a, a whole 
you know, fields of corn for miles and miles, you know, yeah. that does, that depletes the soil. You know, we need diversity in life. It's the biodiversity and I mean, the neurodiversity movement was founded on, on looking at biodiversity mm-hmm. and, and extrapolating from that and being like, Oh yeah, we need all these different kinds of brains. You know, we really do. Yeah. As you know, we need outside of the box thinkers. We need people who are trailblazers. We need people who aren't trying to just maintain the status quo because yeah. the status quo is not working for a lot of people. <laughs> and it's you changed know? so differently from, and it is, is always changing. And mm-hmm. that's something we have to be really cognizant of too, is how do we foster this idea in our kids that are so literal and so used mm-hmm. to their regular schedule and regular everything how do we give them a sense of comfortability when change has to occur because it is ultimately the only thing we can rely on (laughs) Um, and it's it's so interesting that we kind of hopefully through our example or through um you know discussions with them that we can kind of prepare like you know our son for example i find that the more explaining social stories, um, anything like that, when we have an appointment coming up, uh, Mm. the more understanding he has that you're going to sit in this big leather chair and it's going to feel like this and you're going to hold maybe this uh, stethoscope or you might hear him, they might listen and touch your chest right here. Um, Those types of like actions and, and, getting him like, okay, this is going to be okay. Then when all of this is happening, he was like, I practice this. Yep. This is something that, you know, my mom showed me is, is okay. And it's safe and it's comfortable. And I, I was just clipping his nails, the simplest actions of, you know, what we have to do as humans. Right. But how scary and intimidating and terrifying can it be for some children and mm-hmm. for some, you know, toddlers and, and probably even into teens that, you know, just absolutely not because they've had a bad experience. And I was so grateful in that moment, just that how easy it is and how, um, how much safety he knows how safe it is. He knows that I'm not going to hurt him. I'm going to be as gentle as I can be. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't question. He just, you know, sticks his hands out, sticks his toes out, whatever I need. And I just go, yeah. but it's those things that we take for granted for ourselves. We, um, maybe take for granted in our other children or siblings that can do those things, you know, easily. And it's kind of, you know, we have to really step back and, and be thankful for, for those moments when we can give um, grace to our child who has more challenges and say, look how far they've come or how easy they do this. And um, it, it sets you up for, for wins, you know? Sure. Yeah. Better, better than like shaming them. Oh yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> we, we don't believe in that, do we? No shame, no guilt, no. Um, yeah. yeah. It's all about listening and active listening. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it's so important that we give understanding to that because yeah, we can be listening while we're on our phones. Uh-huh. uh-huh but are we actively uh-huh. listening? Are we, you know, hey, I built this thing in Minecraft. Will you look at it? No, I don't have time. Take the time. Take the five minutes. Go and and um, be impressed and say, oh, my gosh, show me how you did that. And find the like, whoa, the spark of of gratitude and of um, excitement in your child 
And of course, not every child's going to be. When we go down to our son's room, he says, I love you, which means please leave. <laughs> and thank heavens it's I love you. I'm glad it's not anything else, you know, yeah. that he couldn't think of to say. But it, it just, it's the, you know, you know your relationship with your child or your teen. You know what they um are their interests are in. Take interest. Go mm-hmm. and find them in their interests and ask questions. Or if they don't like that, maybe bring it up in another way when you're driving in the car. Like open yeah. up the conversations and the discussions to show them that you like have the interest in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it makes makes all the difference. Yeah. It well, can. Because it's the relationship. Yeah. It's the relationship that matters. Relationship the most. system. I love that. <laughs> I um earlier you mentioned like practicing, you know, before yeah. he goes to the doctors. And you know, when we in our classes, so can I tell you just how it goes? Yes, please. Okay. So we all start together in the same Zoom room and there's that first 15 minutes where we're doing nervous system education, mm-hmm. mindfulness and interoception um, and somatic experiencing skills. And then we break out into two separate Zoom rooms. The teens are with two coaches and or the young adults and the parents are with two coaches. Um, the teens or young adults, the first part of class, they're getting the lesson. And this is you know from a curriculum that's taught in 125 countries in 12 different languages. So, and the like really deep evidence base of that's socially valid. And then the parents are doing a homework review because there's homework every week. And then there's a five minute break. The teens come, teens or young adults come back and they're practicing the skills that they learned in the first part of class. The parents come back and they're getting the lesson that their teen or young adult got. So we're like cultivating that common language. You know, the terminology is the same. You know, what are we talking about? We're all talking about the same thing. Okay. Um, And then we reunite, we recap the lesson, and then we assign the homework for the week. And the homework, you know, involves practicing the skills. Um, And one of the ways that they practice is by having video chats Mm -hmm. with each other, both the parents and the teens or young adults to practice the skills of training information to find common interests, you know, and they learn, like they all learn, like parents learn too, that like, oh gosh, you know, these are skills I can use like at a party, you know, when I, or I'm at a networking event where I don't, you know, know anyone and I'm going to just sit there and like, you know, be a wallflower or am I going to like use skills? If you don't know the skills, you can't use the skills. So true. (laughs) Yeah. And they're, you know, I mean, you know, I have really great social skills and, and I use, I like do it in my head. Like, Oh, have I asked a follow-up question? Have I answered my own question yet? Yeah. No. Am I letting them in to see me, Mm -hmm. you know, or am I just being an interviewer? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. I can't have those questions. (laughs) Exactly. For that reason, I wouldn't be able to connect. I do the same thing. It's all through connection and like, Mm -hmm. um, listening. Right. And and I find when I'm in the flow of listening, all the ideas are still coming to me. And I think that's important for kids to hear. You yeah. can still, your brain still works when you're listening. Like you can still yeah. engage in the listening part of it and you'll yep. keep getting information. You're not like shutting yourself off from getting information. 
But right. it, it's, and I think that's how we teach them probably to do that is, is through maybe talking to them about that. That's what I'm going to do later on today. <laughs> really talk yeah. to them about that. Um, I am just, I am, we're going to definitely have to have you back on so that we can go over more exciting things. And if you have, you know, anything else coming up in, in the future for the summer or anything like that, then we'll touch base. But before we do, um, say goodbye. I want to definitely give you a chance to tell everybody your website and socials and all of that good stuff. Yeah. So my website is IRL social skills, you know, in real life, social skills. Um, my socials, Facebook is IRL social skills. My Instagram is at IRL social skills. My LinkedIn is IRL social skills. <laughs> Perfect. Um, we we have coming up we have um we have a conversation skills 101 workshop that is going to be on sunday april 3rd and no yeah april 2nd and we do have um new classes starting we have a teen class starting on april 3rd that's a monday and that'll be from um 6 30 to 8 15 pacific time okay. so not like not the best time for the teens um on the east coast we also have a young adult class starting, so 17 to 20 on Thursday, April 6th. And that's our flagship offering, you know, of 16 weeks. Mm. And yeah, we'd love to have you. We take no more than 12 families per class. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. So it's great. small. And like I said before, it's, you know, intimate and there's, you know, four coaches. So like the ratio and the team is interdisciplinary, OTs, SLPs, wow. licensed professional counselors, direct support workers, learning specialists. Um, yeah, so it's a dream. Oh, I'm so glad that we got to connect. Um, I'm excited that we get to stay in touch, right? (laughs) We got to connect, but now we get to know each other and stay in touch. And there's so much that I think that we can really support each other and draw from one another. So um, I look forward to that. So thank you so much for being a guest today. I really appreciate your time and I honor you and your services you're providing for our wonderful families and communities out there. Thank you. Um, And we will definitely be in touch. Sounds awesome. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you.